1: Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Force. joined virtually by the whole darn crew. We got Ani at Ani Strife and Sam at another Sam Chan. Gentlemen, how's it going?
2: With every passing week, the pain is less acute, but
1: <laughs> it's still pretty rough. Yeah, we, we see there is an absence of color. To your camera yet again, yet another way. What are you talking about? What
2: I'm not sure you'll
3: ever see color again.
2: That's how it looks. You know how, like, uh, if you look at movies and from the 40s, 50s, that's how the world looked back then. So that's kind of how it is in my apartment now.
1: It's just you live in the
2: 40s? Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, I Hmm. guess you could uh, make that like mental gymnastics uh, sort of approach.
1: Oh, well, we got you with no color, and we got Sam doing dinner live on stream. I'm just chilling, relaxing. I forgot the lines to Fresh Prince now. (laughs) Up to no good. Up to no good. Started making trouble in your neighborhood until you got in one little fight and your mom got scared. And then she told you you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Uh, But we're not here uh, to hear me riff off Fresh Prince. Uh, We are here to listen to the three of us talk about the Vancouver Titans performance this past weekend. Uh, you might be tuning in live on Twitch as we are apt to provide a live recording each and every week, or you're listening to the podcast episode as you would normally do through whichever podcast application that you so choose. Uh, this is going to be a big episode. Uh, we've got the uh, the week that was the Vancouver Titans match against the Toronto Defiant, the Battle of Canada, part two. Uh, we'll recap sort of what went down. We will talk a little bit about, uh, some former Vancouver Titans that are making the news, so to speak. And then we actually have a real special guest. Uh, we were joined by, uh, Emerald Gao, who's an associate editor for the Overwatch League. Uh, she joined Sam and I to talk a little bit about uh, her role, what it is that uh, you know she does behind the scenes and some of the articles that uh, you've probably read and didn't realize were written over her on overwatchleague.com. And uh, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the uh, week that was, the week that will be, some Overwatch news, some Overwatch League news, you know, the run-of-the-mill stuff that we would normally see each and every episode. Now... I will add in a caveat to this. If you're watching the live stream, you're not going to get the interview. The only people that get that interview with uh, with Emerald, they listen to the podcast. So if you're looking for that, com slash listen, you'll find out where you can. But you know what? Without further ado, let's uh, get ourselves into the payload. Moving to payload. Join me. So Vancouver Titans take on the Toronto Defiant. Uh, Sam, you weren't here last week to, to provide your thoughts, but uh, Omnia and I had sort of... Humden Hard, We thought it would be an okay match. And yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Uh, I mean, you know, it was a close sweep. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. As far as a three Oh sweep can go, it was kind of close. Yeah. Like, um, you know, Ani, you and I joined, um, a few others from, uh, the RSP side here with the crew from uh, Toronto alpha flight. We were doing like a live video, uh, uh sort of watch party, which was kind of cool. Even though it was significantly Toronto-centric, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was interesting in the early going on Ilios that you could sense some concern, some distinct concern. Not only did the Titans sort of come out and were looking kind of like the Titans the few weeks previous, but Toronto didn't seem to have an answer. Not only for the Echoless Titans, uh, but Numlock didn't quite seem to be fitting into the big picture. Little did we know that was simply, you know, the warm up round, not the warm up map. Mm. And I can't remember who it was that asked in RSP Court how the the actual match went, but I described it like this: the Vancouver Titans have looked good in spurts, the Toronto Defiant have looked good in maps, and I think that was the distinct difference. And there were we'll get into a little bit, but there are some distinctly weird approaches, i.e. Anubis, yeah. that uh, I, I still am scratching my head about. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what we saw. The Vancouver Titans, I think as a roster is concerned, when uh, you look at Shred on on Orissa or even on, on Elias, well, he came out on ball, he didn't do too badly. But it's, I think, more and more indicative that the support line is where some of the struggles are. Um, and this is not to single out an individ- any individual. It's not a Rolf issue or a Car car issue, but the support just isn't there to keep that, that front tank line up. Yeah. And when things start to go somewhat sideways, you then start to see the likes of Dalton and Shockwave, okay, guys, hop on our shoulders and let's go. Yeah. And that's when the freelancing starts, that sort of well-oiled you know, hive mind that we were accustomed to with the old roster, isn't there. And I sure maybe over time they'll come to build somewhat of that, that high mind. But once the freelancing begins to occur, good things do not happen.
2: Yeah. It looks as almost as if uh, Dalton and shockwave are kind of playing at a higher pace than the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's kind of where the tank line and support line, especially are losing somewhat of a focus on what they need to do at every given moment. And I don't know if it's the problem with the support line not keeping up with he- healing, and we're definitely getting out healed. The opponents are out healing us by a lot, or maybe it's the tank lines being too aggressive and trying to keep up with uh, Dalton's and-, and Shockwave's approach and not peeling for the healers that are later picked up. Um, yeah, that Ilios map, especially at the start, was starting out pretty well. It looked like Toronto were kind of lost, and I think that Toronto is not... Not much better than us at this point. Both teams are not looking good. Mm-hmm. And with teams that are not good, a lot of it is just momentum. So once it shifts into one direction, it's hard to kind of recuperate. And I feel like that well map was so much in our hands. It, I, I kind of feel like a broken record. But again, there was a map that we should have had. And just looking at, at the beginning of this map, maybe not in Anubis, that was kind of awkward approach. But like you said, I feel like Dalton and Shockwave even outplayed the DPS lineup for uh, the Toronto head. Oh, and, no and, doubt. Yeah, like, and, and the Widow picks were there. The Tracer harass was there. And the tanks are pretty kind of up and down for both the teams. Pretty comparable. Sometimes Numb looked look. look not really well, but the difference was always Kareev. Uh, when, mm-hmm. when things were going a little bit too close for comfort, it was him who popped off, and and there was this uh, something that a lot of people were like kind of confused about. Why was Karkar, for for example on Zen for most of the uh, of the match, and why? But that's fine. I mean, they had their time to to come up with those strategies, right? And the first map went really well. But I feel like momentum is what kicked us uh, up the bum really uh, early in this map
3: well the very first map if we're jumping back to Ilios, mm-hmm. Toronto Toronto so so they led uh, yeah. I can't remember it was 98 or 99 or, or 90, right. some, 90 something right and and they they dropped the bomb so so I was really surprised to see us take map one away and then in the the second map and well we Torontoed Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe maybe we should change it to Vancouver. It's just so I, you know, I don't get all these defiant death stares, um, being salty in a three Oh, but, but like, it just like, we, we have a closing problem. And I think that problem has been consistent throughout, since we've seen the start of this iteration of, of the Titans, like you said, they look good in spurts, but they don't look good for the last spurt. Right. And even maps that we, we win, um, we, we hold on for dear life. We don't take over. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like that to me is is a sign of just like, you know, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Um in hockey, you'd call it a three goal lead, right? In hockey, you the inexperienced teams, like they're up three goals, but they don't play like they're up three goals. They don't play like they're going home with the W tonight. They're hesitant, they're they're worried, they're hanging on to their stick. So it feels a lot like that when we watch the Titans with even even in a lead situation, they don't feel like they've been there, right? mechanically they have the skills to be there. Like I, I truly believe this could have been a much more competitive game than, than, you know, what was shown on the scoreboard. But like on the other end, you have, you have vets who, who have won games before mm-hmm. who know when to take over. And we saw that not last week, but two weeks ago when Kareem just decided, okay, enough's enough took over in games four and five. Right. Yeah. Like up to that point, it was, it was, you know, punch for punch. Right. Um, Maybe it's- just not being there yet i don't know yeah and maybe maybe that will come with time i think like we we can't like you know be be completely just you know oh yeah they're still new like like yeah if we we can say that every week and we're going to have nothing <laughs> to talk about right but i do think car car is is a serious issue right now for the team he does seem like a step behind um frankly league average level um And, and, you know, we're, we're, you know, going up a Kareev isn't, isn't fair. Kareev's a very, very good player, probably top tier flex support. Um, But we would need, we needed more from him. Um,
1: There was that stat where Kareev had, I think, triple, essentially the statistical production to Karkar.
3: Yeah. So, so Karkar actually had a little bit more, a little more healing per Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, but uh, uh, Kareev doubled his damage output. So, so I equivalent it to, it's like a power play the entire game. Right, like yeah. you, if you have another another car car's damage output to to the team. But car car is also like a main support naturally, yeah. not not a Zen player. Yeah.
1: Well, so, so but that, that choice, like, is that because uh, I believe Rolf was on, on Baptiste. Right. That's that's I'm gonna be presuming the better BAP is on Baptiste, and that's it's it's almost going back to the whole DPS issue yeah. where we saw uh Dalton and Suna. Plain.
2: That's uh, actually cool. very reminiscent to the, the issue we had with uh, Slime and Twilight for the Zen Baptista uh, uh, composition. Yeah. Yeah, but you just bring Repel in, man. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, the three goal thing, uh, what can we compare it to in Overwatch? I guess being up two picks. Yeah, yeah, and it happened multiple times, yeah. not to mention the fact that we, the majority of fights, when they started out, we got the first pick, and occasionally we even got their second pick. But then we fell apart. They got one pick and they got mm-hmm. two pick, and that's it. That you could see, like you couldn't see the players, but I guess they're like, they were deflated, uh, um, you know, emotionally just by mm-hmm. seeing them not
3: carry out the fight until the end. Well, as some far of as those finals fights, you could see them being frantic, right? That's where you right. threw the, threw the alts out like randomly and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that some of that will come with time.
1: As far as control maps go, or control matches. The Vancouver Titans actually looked. Uh, I would. Uh, the, I'm trying to find a word other than competent because I feel like that's the sign. I'm sure, but competitive control has not been their strength. I mean, it's we've seen that in with this this roster. Control has always been a struggle. Against Toronto, they actually look competitive. We go into Blizzard World. The Vancouver Titans had a solid first point hold. Like Toronto had to go to the limit just to get to the escort phase. And then Toronto had to fight tooth or nail through the second point. The Titans then started to fold on that third push. Toronto gets it all the way. Vancouver comes out on a phenomenal attack. They just move in, take the payload, and then they just start trucking along. And all of a sudden, it's as if they hit a wall. But that's okay. They get the point to pass the second, and then suddenly it's like the, the House of Cards comes tumbling it down again. It's really yeah. weird because it prior to that all taking place, I was actually still confident the Titans might have the ability to pull this out. Like they were right. looking good in spurts. They it's came,
2: just, uh, yeah, to the Diablo Castle. They came in with much more time than Toronto had. I, I don't know. Uh, Spice Adams was really taking. Me out of yeah, oh, no. I was just gonna
3: say, like, like about I have of focus. What do you,
2: what do you thought about Spice? I,
3: oh, Spice too I, spicy. I like his energy, but it's not the time and place.
2: Yeah, well, it's like, like oh, I would have enjoyed it's him, it's him Vancouver playing. Let's put him your, in to commentate. Yeah. Like that's how. It yeah, felt like to
3: I, me. I honestly, if, if I'm being honest, I felt it was a little bit disrespectful to the players because because you're... Like it's not it's not a gag game, right? Like it's not the Harlem Globetrotters going out there and we can just say whatever, right? Like right. for these two teams, they they are putting it on the line. It matters to them. And mm-hmm. I think to that, we need to give the players, regardless of yeah, they're two bottom tier teams or whatever, like we need to give them that respect versus, you know, it's base it was equivalent to like me bringing my mom in to me like, Oh, what's this player do? Like, why is he flashing exactly. around so fast? Right? Like that there's, there's humor and there's, there's comic relief in that, but this is a competitive game, right? It's not a scrim. If we did that in a scrim or all-star game, I'm all for it. It's fun and giggles.
2: Yeah. Imagine right? a full game commentated in the NBA or NHL. Like yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I know Snoop Dogg did the LA Kings thing for a little bit, but even Snoop Dogg knew more about hockey than Spice did Overwatch. Right. All
1: right. Well, actually, and that's what I was going to reference is you do see that in like the traditional sports world where, uh, maybe between commercial breaks and hockey or an inning in baseball or commercial breaks and football, like you, you see someone come in and it's more, it's not commentary. It's more color. It's more conversation. Yeah. And they might comment on the game. And I actually, to me, I have no issue with that. Like if they brought in, I don't know, Matt Mercer, you know, who has a connection to the game and he starts talking a little bit about that. I didn't, I would enjoy that. Now I have to concede. I don't know who spice is. Like I, I'm not the person that he's trying to connect with. And it just came across like it was the epitome of shout casting. Cause that's what he did. He shouted. And, stuff came out like it was weird i mean I, I there were people on on social media actually suggesting it would be a far better experience to have alpha flight and rsp get together than have another you know Spice episode. and that's not time I, to disrespect spice it's just I yeah i mean point, it, it
2: was funny it was really funny at some points so it was pretty uh entertaining but like I was losing focus on the match itself because yeah. I was trying to like figure out because <laughs> we they're... have a
3: podcast to deliver. We can't do it with our with our ears being blown up. Yeah, uh, so, for the for the match itself, I think
2: yes. the the May pick that's what where uh, we kind of uh, fell apart
1: because Zick was I
2: think uh, playing the May and we yeah, never he came
1: in for logics. Yeah, 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 yeah. The this was also where we started to see sure for get that room to play like in on Ilios. Yeah. Um, shockwave was essentially taking, you know, sure lunch money the entire Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And even on the earlier, uh, Titans defend, it was the same, you know, uh, interaction. So even on a balance of, of equality between the rest of the lineup, the fact that that was a one fight going in favor of shockwave, I think gave the Vancouver Titans that edge. But when Zick, yeah, started to essentially slow the Titans on like in the, in the virtual uh you know watch party we did i commented yeah it's we're from vancouver we don't know how to handle the snow because we truly didn't i mean <laughs> that may pick you know throw us into stitches it was just completely weird right anubis just hold, on, hold on before we go
3: into anubis I, we we can't be a vancouver titans podcast if we don't talk about the the shred lock bump right in Ilios.
1: In oh, well. okay. Well, you, when you had full bumper with the uh, Winston, or, no, Winston. <laughs> we we have we, uh, to mention uh, that Ball? somewhere,
3: right? Like, how fun was that?
1: Well, I, it it was full bumper. He just sat there. It's like in the you know the observers got the camera on, and they're waiting. And he's like do do do, and it comes out. I think he only got one. Yeah, yeah,
3: he he got he got unlocked.
1: Yeah, but it was worth but, it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was, but that. I mean, Ilios. There was a whole lot of madness. Like the, the lighthouse fight was also mad. Oh, it works out. every time in gold. But when you see it watch <laughs> league, that's really cool. Um, Anubis. So Anubis is another weird one. Like I actually felt the Vancouver Titans didn't look too bad on on defense, but they struggled on attack. Like it was mm. just they continued to like, okay, guys, uh, the left's not working. Let's keep going left. It it felt odd, and unfortunately, you know, time was their was their enemy hmm. and I, and again maybe by this point they're kind of boomed um, I know you know I I tweeted out from the RSP account drawable because it was uh, drawable was our uh, like ceiling for that map yeah <laughs> um, but yeah once once Toronto took it and that was that there we had a 3-0 sweep what uh, what did you guys think of the spawn camping though oh I okay, didn't uh, mind the spawn camping, but like the alts they invested, yeah, five alts. They the Vancouver Titans invested five alts to spawn camp. That, that when they once once Toronto got through, and again, like this is the weird thing. Why would you like? Okay, you know what? Invest one, have some fun. Okay, invest two because you're gonna go and try to flex five. That left them with Bob. Now Bob, kind of powerful, but Toronto now has significant alt economy. Also and, has a Bob, and has a Bob as well. Like it, it just, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that nightmare I had sort of, you know, got it out of my mind. But it is just
3: <laughs> so. Light Life Force is been a fan. Omni was okay with it. I I loved it. So so well, I like the okay. idea. I don't like the it. spawn spawn
1: campaign's was... fine, but would you invest five alts?
3: I think the five volts is a is an execution <laughs> error. Um, but but here here's why I loved it, right? Because because when we what what have we been kind of com- not complaining, but what have we been critical of the the Titans thus far? Is that their personalities are timid? They might not have a shot caller. They they're yeah. hesitant, and and you know when you're down two zero and you're you know you're on defense for the first time at a point when most people try and play their position back. You know, basically Anubis when you're on point B, you're you're holding back, right? Like that's that's just the way to play it right and and clearly the the coaching staff the team had practiced some version of this just to dial the time down um and for them to to execute it so so it reminded me of another play that's going to bring back some really poor memories um is is when we rolled out in the grand finals and we rolled out a brig strat right we didn't commit to that brig strat and we got boomed for it right you know, in hindsight, maybe it wasn't a great strat, and in hindsight, this didn't work either. But I commend them and I love them for for being gutsy enough to to try it and mm-hmm. you know to to double down. Like you said, two alts, the the quint quintuple down with the five alts was probably a bit much. Um, but you're not gonna you're not gonna win all the time with these kind of creative strats, but. I'd like that they had enough confidence down two games already to still kind of pull off that kind of crap, knowing that the cast is going to flame them for it, knowing that we're going to flame them for it if it, if, you know, if it and it did ultimately failed. Um, so, so like, I want to see them try to do more of that, right? Because okay. it's not always going to fail, right? So it's not always going to pass either.
1: <laughs> I, I, I will, cons- like, I, I agree with almost everything you were saying, but if exec- if you can't execute, like, that, the alt that you invested there, if that's not something that you can execute flawlessly, it was the wrong decision. Like, we're talking about the difference between a great team and a not-so-great team. There's no good there. Like, the, I, I have no problem taking the aggression, the spawn campaign. I don't mind the like an alt or two. But you have to respect the fact that this other team is, like, if, if Toronto was committing alts to get out of spawn, I feel differently right? Because Mm -hmm. you're, you're drawing, like if they popped a Xanalt to get out of spawn, you've drawn that alt. I had no problem if you maybe invest one of yours to continue to sort of stall, but that's not what happened. Toronto simply weathered the storm and I'm not going to lie. It kind of feels like the defiant almost baited the Titans into doing it. Now, if that was what they did, that's some serious big brain thinking there.
3: Uh Yeah. well, I mean, to be very honest, we're not a not not great team. We're a bad team. We're a very bad team right now, and I don't mean that with disrespect to to the players. It's just it's reality. We we're, we're starting at the bottom, or we are at the bottom, and and I mean the the plus side is only up from here, but we're we're not good guys. Yeah,
2: yeah. Our record is still like lossless, uh, but you know, at least against Toronto, I I, I just
1: hope that Toronto is better than it looks <laughs> playing us. Well, I, I, I think I'll talk about Toronto. I think the addition of numlock makes this team a better mm. team. Uh, if sure Four has sort of refound that spark and mm-hmm. can use that confidence and, you know, become that player that can come in more uh, consistently. I think that improves Toronto uh, and encourage a level onto his own. So I think Toronto's, stonks are on the rise. Now compare that to the Vancouver Titans, the Vancouver Titans are looking better, but arguably we haven't quite yet seen that spark where even, you know, even when we watched the play in or the qualifier, whatever it was called. Yeah. I don't think I felt confident the Titans were going to win even when they were up, you know, two, one, I did not. And, or, you know, like I, I just didn't have that sense that this is this is going to happen. So until that that occurs, it's still a significant work in progress.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
3: I mean, on on Toronto side, like I know most people will say that that Shockwave took that one v one with Sherfor, but I was actually kind of impressed to to how Sherfor t- stuck with the game plan, right? And and what I mean by that is is you know. One for one, I think Shockwave took him to lunch, but mm. I think Surefour did a lot along with with Zick and, and Logics on on the tracer in the first map. Like I think they did a lot to to basically wreck the rest of our team, um, and for for Surefour to kind of be be mature enough not to just like you know focus on Shockwave, I I think that spoke volumes to to you know the type of players that we want to be one day, right? Mm. Versus us, I think when we have a leave. When we have a lead or when we're down big, like we have the tendency to get frantic, we have a tendency to to go off. I think Dalton's now starting to become infamous for that, you know, the the hard carry, so to speak, right? Yeah. But you know, in sticking to the game plan, even if you know it makes you look bad on a one v one level or a personal level, I think that's that's maturity and and um, experience that that we need to gain eventually. Well, um, and that
1: that's. That's the thing. It'll be this season into next.
3: Yeah. But, but I, I came away really impressed with shockwave just because I was, you know, minorly concerned after the first game that he'd just be a one trick, uh, echo. Um, he proved us or he proved that thought away pretty fast.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, ruins just widow peak pop. Okay. Next one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's, there's a future there. Uh, let's, Talk a little bit about this upcoming weekend. So the Vancouver Titans are going to be taking on the Dallas Fuel on Saturday, six PM Pacific. So for those of us who uh, want to set our clocks, that could start as early as like four thirty. I think the rest of the day goes. Is there a map to be won there? I mean, Dallas is above like a much better team than Toronto. Mm, yeah, I think so.
0: By
2: how much? Like their, their record right now is four and seven. No, but I, I, okay. And I, just, I don't, I don't feel. DOS are kind of like a better version of, of the, like a much better version of us. They have two really good DPS and everybody's lagging behind by like. Yeah. Half, three seconds. Sure. For some reason, especially this year, with OG not really, uh, not OG. Sorry, with 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 the, the Gamsu line and and their support line again is not looking great. Like I don't a think we're. Now?
3: Really. Yeah. Well. Well, I I think the difference does come down to like Omni's analysis is right, but the problem of it is, is. Blame me. <laughs> the problem is the their DPS line has, in my opinion, the MVP of the season so far. So, so in that sense, you know, I like Dalton a lot, but I think the most exciting part for me, this, this upcoming week is seeing how he stacks up, right? Right. Like, is he getting destroyed? Is he hanging in there? Um, just, just like, um, last week against logic. Um, sometimes he looked great and sometimes logic's had him. Right. So, so just, you know, in stacking up with the best, we really kind of get to see like what, where does Dalton rank, you know, with the top tier. Um, but, but, no, you're putting a smile on my face because because Dallas is always competitive in matches and Dallas never closes either, despite literally having closer. Um, so closer so looks? like it it could be like the
1: ultimate C nine match in this this league. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm gonna say it's three o Dallas. I I hate to be the the pessimist, and I is it a close sweep? No.
3: We we grading the level of sweeps now like that's our new power rankings is like you have the 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 swifter sweep and then you have the broom sweep and then you have like the flooding sweep. All right.
2: I'm going to say 3-2 and if we lose
0: 3-2, I'm, you-
2: I'm
1: bringing the collar back.
3: If, you, if, if we lose three, two, you should be buying Pizza Hut for us.
1: Yeah uh, yeah, we're going to get that, that what's that that party pack, the three-level pizza, or two pizzas and like the brownies that come out? I don't know what, what the heck?: Yeah, oh, like, 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 like
3: splurge on the brownies, man. Yeah. Get that pizza McCain Hut. stuff.
2: Pizza Hut has a good reputation, but it always
1: disappoints me. I, I don't know.: <laughs> <laughs> Sam?.
3: Uh, I'll go right in the middle with three one.
1: Okay. Well, we're all saying it's a Dallas win. It's just uh, the pessimist in me and the optimist in in Omni and Sam the as always you know balanced approach in between. Uh, few uh, you know a couple other things I wanted to talk about before we uh, get into the interview with uh, Emerald. Uh, Fisher. If for some reason you have not seen, uh, Fisher had a stream where he analyzed the the Vancouver Titans and he got uh, emotional and uh candid in in some of his opinions and he uh, essentially shared and i i'm i'm doing a disservice to the uh the sort of paraphrasing of this that the vancouver titans forced him out that he did not want to leave and that he was willing to learn english if it meant staying with the team and that when they forced them out they refused to pay him uh, as he was prom- or supposed to be paid based on the rules in OWL, and as he didn't choose to take the limited amount of money and sign the NDA, he can speak freely. So, again, I paraphrased. My opinion, which if you are in uh, RSP Discord, you already know. The Vancouver Titans are a business, and the decision that they made in parting with their players, whatever those decisions may have been, Provided the players with options. And I'm going to simplify it to say there was door one and door two. Once the decision was made to part ways, door one was, here's uh, severance. We mutually agree to go different directions. You're a free agent. Sign this. Door two. Don't do any of that. And let bygones be bygones. Now, whatever that might be, who knows? I think most of the players chose door one. I think Fisher chose door two. Maybe Fisher tried to choose door three. Don't know. And that door three would have been, I will stay. I will learn English. I will, what have you. Door two is where they actually uh, terminated it. Right? Like that, if you think back to the actual announcement you know, I don't think any of us missed the point that it was like, yeah, we mutually parted ways with that, and Fisher's gone. Like, Fisher had different language, and everyone thought, oh, it's because he couldn't leave on his own. Well, the Overwatch League was sort of forced to step out and say, no, we were involved in the decision. He was terminated with cause, and we're not going to comment any further because that's between player and organization. If I was representing Fisher, I would have probably advised him not to say anything at all. Cause if he, if he had a one case and two, a desire to get back into the league, I don't see where he benefits from publicly sharing that laundry. And it doesn't forgive the the team. It doesn't forgive what the result happened to be, but, and I, maybe it's cause I'm not in, involved it's just i don't see where he wins out of this
2: well to play uh fisher's advocate so to speak at least the only comments he had were about himself and he wasn't like speaking too much about you know his other teammates and what choices they have done so it was completely i think fine for him to just speak about his
1: fair he did sort situation. of infer that like the the titans ruined Jehong. And he sort of put words into Jay Allen's mouth as to what he says about the team, which I don't think is entirely fair. It may be true, but you you should only speak for yourself. You should never try to speak for others.
2: Usually you can give one side the benefit of the doubt. In this situation, though, Vancouver Titans, uh, Fisher, I'm not really sure who I uh, side with. But I don't know, like the the thing that they say, uh, uh, the response from the Overwatch League is definitely uh, the one we, we were waiting for to just, you know, make sure that, you know, the Twitter uproar was not like really warranted. And just, it's not like
3: you can just do whatever you want and the league mm-hmm. not intervening. Yeah, but like, like you, you said, you know, benefit of the doubt. Like, I think this situation, both sides lose right like honestly speaking there's nothing else that could be said outside of some serious like crimes or or hate things or or, you know oh yeah legal stuff that could make the titans look, look worse as an org right now um so so like they're they're already in the dumps but you know the biggest thing coming out for for fisher you know to date until you know he spoke was like oh fisher's been quiet fisher's been good Fisher stayed out of this, right? Like whether he mm-hmm. was or not, you know, mm-hmm. speculation, mm-hmm. right? But like that's that's Fisher's deal, right? Like he always has to have the last word, right? And what does this does this actually knock the tight like for people who think poorly of the Titans, do they actually think worse of them now? I don't well, think, I think so.
1: Yeah, those people are already down there. Like there's no yeah, further. Yeah, and then
3: go. and then maybe and and maybe like some people who are on the fence are all like, oh yeah, the Titans—they're not so good. But they're also not thinking like, oh, Fisher's a great guy, sign him, right? So so like to me, like this is this is like I, I guess the less emotional side of me is saying like this is a poor math problem, right? Like there's no win, there's no upside to him. It's just speaking out, add on to the fact that honestly, like it's been a, a month. You know the you know we've we as a collective community have have tried to move on at least a little bit right and and you know there's there's new new things to try and cheer for like like stitch and january on new teams hoxell's on a new team like we're we're all trying to move on right whether whether and what what's in the past and we're not disagreeing like i think i'm not disagreeing with fisher's you know intent or the point Mm -hmm. he's trying to make it's just we've already been there right Mm -hmm. so why why bring back old wounds um Unless he was trying to some way get himself a job again, right? But in my opinion, this is the opposite effect. It's
1: yeah, no, and I, and, and that's the point I'm trying. Like, I, I don't.
3: Right. So, he so just like,
1: likes just stir some
2: drama.
3: He just like, like he always. just likes to stir stuff up, and that's always been Fisher's thing. Is like yeah. where yep. drama, whether it's his fault or not, drama always follows him, and he always has a word. Right. So, so like that's that's frustrating for me as like you know a young and talented guy who who like. You know, whether it's gaming or casting or like he has a future in esports for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, at 23, 24, he already has his label of like, you know, hard to work with. Right. Like it's it's just it's just like he's either getting some bad advice or he's ignoring good advice. And that's that's frustrating. Yeah.
2: I think uh, we can offer to teach him some English so he can uh, play for Team RSP next time. we And, uh, and I think that against, was the uh, tripping point for Toronto me right? <laughs> is yeah.
3: like he was supposed to be learning English this whole time. Like, what do you mean you, you'll start learning English now?
2: Did they just test him in English and that's why they let him go because the results of the quiz were
1: pretty unsatisfactory? <laughs> well, so <laughs> so the, the point that Sam raises, <laughs> there is this perception that the organization did not provide an opportunity for the players to learn English. We're of the belief their opportunity was provided. Now, the team has conceded, yeah, we didn't do a good enough job learning Korean. And that is quite clear, but at this point, I think for me, get a Rosetta Stone. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> that sh- that ship itself has sailed, and I'm not trying to discount the fact that for a lot of people, it is still a, a, a raw wound. But I don't see where Fisher again. The equation in math does not add up. It, it, it's it's akin to like, man, things got blown up here, I'm going to go in there with a the grenade. I'm going to blow it up some more. But the problem is, you're running in there with a live grenade, and that's ultimately what he did. Uh, one final note. I like how there are esports outlets out there, and I understand RSP isn't like the center of the universe, saying like, oh, you heard from us first. They must not listen to our podcast, because this has been like old news. We've been talking about this type of stuff even before the players themselves got the official seal later, so. We need to fire uh, a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> Must be me. Um, the final thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we dive into the interview with Emerald. Uh, this past weekend, we had our first ever RS Pugs, as I called it. But Ready, Set, Phone Pugs, pickup group. Uh, a number of us dove into Overwatch, had some good times, and we had a special guest. Who was it, Sam?
3: Uh, D Baker came. He had a good time. Yep. D uh, Baker. Siren definitely. Song showed up. Mm-hmm. He had a good time. And then some, some guy named Wheats showed
1: up. He mm-hmm. had an
3: okay time.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Vancouver Titans Wheats came out for RS Pugs. Uh, he, uh, it was, it's was kind of funny. Cause like I, he was, he was quite low key. I mean, people were asking him questions and, and what have you. Um, but oh my goodness. Like, was he sort of a level above some of us namely me um was it was not fun to play against him but boy did i enjoy playing you know with him
3: yeah so so at one point i think in the very first game he he played support and i was also on support and then on sunday i found myself empathizing with Karkar a lot <laughs> <laughs> that that's what it felt like to me i was like this scene looks familiar
1: Oh, yeah. No, but it was, I mean, it was good fun. I think we had a couple of hours of gameplay. Uh, we ended up having to go and, and try to get more to, to come out. Like there were those of you uh, who may not have known that we were doing this. And for that, I apologize. But uh, we ended up getting uh, a couple 6v6 matches. Um, had some good time. We played some weird 4v4. Um, apparently, I'm not a bronze DPS when I play Junkrat. Or so and told. Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> I don't think no, I was all no, that no, good no. on junk rat. I didn't believe I was giving you guys fits. Oh we had to work around you.
2: You had like a tire every 20 seconds. I I swear <laughs> to god it was so
1: bad oh yeah no it was it was really really good fun um and i hope that uh, we'll be able to organize something like that again we'll get to you know again the the TRSP community out uh you know vancouver writing sounds like the idea is just hey let's get the community together play some games have some laughs just some good times and and I think that's a uh, that was had by uh uh all and maybe we can get a, another special guest or two like uh d Baker or uh was it tonyaall was another one uh who joined us so again lots of good fun uh, We're going to take a quick break here uh, before Omni taps out, Sam and I tap back in, uh, to interview Emerald Gunn, the associate editor for the uh, Overwatch League. Again, if you're watching the live stream, you're going to have to tune into the podcast, but if you're listening to the podcast, stay tuned. There is still more to my tale! I'm pleased to share our latest guest here on the Ready, Set, Home podcast. We have with us Emerald Gal, Associate Editor of the Overwatch League. Uh, you can find her at EMGTFY, and I, I gave you that quite literally, because I'm not sure if it actually has a sound like Light Force does, but well, Emerald, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Um, it is just EMGTFY. Um, so you nailed that.
1: Good, good, good. Does it stand for, for something or just uh, a series of initials?
0: Yeah. It's kind of a, a play on, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, let me Google that for you. Ah. Uh, yeah. So th- you, there was sort of an in joke with some friends where previous coworkers would always ask me questions that could be very easily Googled. So <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's just kind of a clever little. I'm so
3: impressed how nicely you played that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not going to, not going to put anybody on blast, but you know, some things really just require a simple Google search.
1: Yeah. See, when I teased us having a guest on Twitter saying that we were about to sit down with you, I said quite clearly smarter than Sam. And somehow (laughs) I I knew that that was the case. It's true. Mm But uh, again, you know, welcome, thank you for joining us, taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, what I thought we could do before we sort of, you know, dive into some of the questions we have is just give you that opportunity to tell us, like, what is it that an associate editor for the Overwatch League gets up to on the the day-to-day?
0: Um, so right now, during the season, we're kind of in a set routine. Um, week to week, there's matches, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, two sets of matches on each day. So I'm often... Uh, kind of faced with a heavier workload on the weekends. But uh, aside from writing my weekly column, Craft Bag, uh, I also basically manage all of the freelance writers um, that we have under contract for Um And I help with other editorial needs, um, usually uh, kind of, you know, fixing copy, tweaking copy, uh, helping out with things like media relations, social media, like any department that needs help with, uh, anything that's written.
1: Mm-hmm. So it, a, a jack of all trades is probably a good way to to describe what you get up to beyond the the articles you publish.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little hard to kind of sum up neatly.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's essentially us and our our podcast. Um, we are our masters of of nothing. Um, we try to do everything, so it does sound like you're actually far more accomplished than us here, so. <laughs> Definitely a, a, a good get to the podcast. But, you know, I wanted to sort of kick things off, um, just getting to, to to know you a little bit more, uh, because we were talking before uh, we clicked the, the record button here, um, but uh, you previously uh, came from the world of, of traditional sports. Um, we were talking about uh, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, for instance. Um, but uh, how, how did you get involved with the, the Overwatch League and, and gaming?
0: Um yeah, so I took a bit of a different path to esports than I think a lot of other people in this industry. Um I've been a sports fan my whole life, so uh sort of my love for traditional sports was the gateway for me to get into esports because I just saw it as a different form of competition. Mm-hmm. Um and I know like a lot of people uh get into esports because they love the games. And I don't really have much of a, a gaming background. Um So, there's a that was a sort of an interesting twist to how I got into it. Um, I did work for uh, both the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago Blackhawks um, for a number of years before joining the Overwatch League. Um, I started off with like graphic design, um, digital content management, uh, a little bit of writing and editing on the side, but it was never really my primary role. Um, And then uh, through uh, a friend, Actually, I think I saw something on her Snapchat, <laughs> um, but she was at a League of Legends event. Um, I think like twenty sixteen ish, and so I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Like people are here at this live event for for professional video games, and uh, I, I got intrigued and I started kind of reading more and getting more into it. Um, so through through that, I, I started watching League of Legends and I got into the Apex tournament um, for Overwatch. And that's really what uh, kind of piqued my, my interest. Um, cool. Yeah.
3: Was the, this the, sorry, I have to cut in. Was this the 2016 Lunatic High runaway stuff?
0: Uh, I, didn't really timeline? Start, I didn't start watching Apex until 2017. So 2017. yeah, it was um, Apex season
1: two. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the question that I sort of want to follow up with then, if, if, Gaming sort of wasn't, uh, you know, the the driver. And it sounds like, from what you've described, it's a similar journey that, that I've had getting into the world of esports, uh, though I would have defined myself as, as into gaming, um, uh, just not the competitive side. Would you say that you're more into it now? And you were talking, you know, about League and uh, Apex. Uh, do you find that you're now watching more of the competitive scene across, you know, multiple titles? Obviously, Overwatch is top of the 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 mountain but do you find that you're you're more and more engaged
0: um yeah i would say so i think there's also there's less time for me to maybe watch other esports um my focus is definitely like 98 percent owl.
1: um
0: when i have time i like to check in on other esports just to see you know different productions like different what different regions have to offer so um, it is nice to to get different perspectives like that. I mean, I can't say that I really understand a lot of other games because I don't play. Like, I don't think I'll ever understand StarCraft, even though I have a lot of um, friends and coworkers who are so into it, and I, and yeah. I know they love it. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll like, I'll watch this. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on, but it's it's looks and sounds exciting. So
1: mm-hmm. the uh, you know. Sort of contacts you made on the, the traditional sports side uh, when you were, you know, working and covering the, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, do you find that they might have something similar to your experience with Starcraft uh, to the Overwatch League? And the reason I ask is I know there are a number of my friends who saw the Overwatch League for the very first time when it was broadcast on the, one of the Canadian sports channels, TSN. And they quite honestly like, what my, is going on? It is far too quick. Um, do you find that there are many people that you're still in touch with that come to you and are like, Emerald, Emerald, tell tell me what's going on?
0: Um, I definitely tried to get some former coworkers to kind of tune into some esports. Um a lot of them, uh well, not a lot of them. I would say a couple of them play games um a lot, mm-hmm. but more on sort of the NHL side, like the EA sports sort of category of game. Yeah. Um so there wasn't really like a whole scene for that at the time. Um yeah I don't know it's it's hard because it's um it's a much different viewing experience um you're not really seeing like the players um are playing through like their video game these video game avatars and then there's also different things that uh sort of challenge traditional sports viewers brains in terms of like what they're seeing and the 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 sensory inputs and stuff, and so it's a—it's uh, definitely an interesting sell <laughs> to mm-hmm. people who are more used to traditional sports than esports.
1: Understood. Well, and I guess sort of as a segue there, I mean, having made that transition yourself, um, what do you find is both the same between traditional sports, esports, but then what's different?
0: Um. Yeah, I can start with what's different. Um, Speaking of what it's like to work in both industries, I think traditional sports is more settled in their ways, which is like a double-edged sword, right, when it comes to working. So it's more stable and kind of the standards are more stringent than what you see sometimes in the esports industry. But the culture can also be kind of entrenched. Um, It can kind of feel alienating, especially if you're like a woman and a minority in that space. Um, esports, I would say, is still a rapidly changing landscape, and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as rigid in its like views and practices. Um, it's still a young industry, so while there are plenty of growing pains, I think there's also a lot of potential for progress and positive change. Um, it's also, uh, I think, a very global industry in terms of like our fan base and our player base, if we're talking just the gaming side. So. For me, that means um, in my job, that means like trying to spotlight players from different regions and working with translators and thinking about what kind of content will resonate with different audiences, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, as, sorry, sorry um, as, as for what's the same, I think mm-hmm. I think everyone behind the scenes is extremely passionate, right? Like working in traditional sports is like, it was like a labor of love. It was like my dream job for so long. Um, and from my time in the overwatch league, I can say that everyone working behind the scenes, um, also wants it to succeed and evolve and just like become this like global phenomenon. So Mm -hmm. I think that, that passion and sort of that love for the, for the game is, uh, is pretty consistent.
1: The, you know, watching the game part. So this is, you know, for me as a fan, no different. When I was watching hockey, it's often on the television. And now when I'm watching the overwatch league, it's on that same television, sure, the the medium is a little bit different, but uh, I think in, in your world, um, you, you can sort of take it a step further. I mean, yes, this year was probably quite a bit different, but let's say, you know, Bruce, you have the ability to, to watch it live. Would you, you know, be able to give us uh, your perspective on what that atmosphere is like compared to the traditional, you know, sports experience? Because for us in Vancouver, there's many, you know, Titans fans that, Unfortunately, due to the events of the 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 day, aren't able to go to a home stand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the live atmosphere isn't all that different. Um, everyone is there to cheer on like their teams and their favorite players, and um, I would say there's maybe a little bit more creativity um, in esports crowds. You see fan signs, you see cosplay, you see people kind of expressing their fandom in various different ways that aren't really like necessarily as common uh, as traditional sports, traditional sports, you know, you put on a Jersey and you go and you like, you know, you cheer and stuff. Um, Esports. I think there's a lot of different ways to express your fandom um, besides just like showing up and and kind of putting on the Jersey, which I think has been really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. As you know, as someone on the media side uh, it's, it's less sort of uh, structured, I would say. Um, I think, uh, you know, having spent six years in a press box, um, yeah. going to Blizzard Arena, Los Angeles, and, and kind of being able to either like stay backstage and kind of stay in my own room, or kind of go out into the crowd and wander around and um, and taking the atmosphere from you know the seats if if there's one open. I think that kind of freedom was was really nice as well. Cool.
1: The, you know, sort of part of watching the experience, and I know you probably come from a, a much different place than most, especially those uh, within eSports, um, you know, podcasters like myself, for instance, were, were fans first, whereas, one, I think, you know, coming from that media background that you have, and then as well, um, you know, being the associate for the Overwatch League, the the position is a little bit different. But do you ever find that the the lines begin to blur a little bit um, and to give you an example here, um, I often hear traditional sports media talking about, um, I am not a fan. I, I, I might enjoy the game. It's the generalities, but do you find that there are times where like, well, I like this particular player and their personality, or, um, I really wish we could have more access to, to this team because they provide such great content and almost become a fan of that.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think, um, I'm glad you kind of brought up the, the traditional media thing because there is kind of a, a, a rule in traditional sports media, which is there's no cheering in the press box. Yeah. Um, and I, I have kind of carried that over um, just as a personal uh, sort of way to set boundaries. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to feel like I'm a robot during matches. I think <laughs> it's natural to be like awed by like a big play or, you know, delighted by, you know, some weird strat or like, laugh at a c9 or something but <laughs> i do try to leave personal bias out of it so that sure. I, i'm always a reporter first and a fan second um i i'm you know i do have like players that i personally root for um or teams that are easy to work with you know sure um, i think mm-hmm. that's always um a factor but you know you just kind of try to you just try to be as fair as possible that's you know yeah
3: yeah. And for sure. And I know when we first started talking just behind the scenes, like one of the things I was most impressed is like, you know, you, you watch most if not all of the games right and and honestly one one of the tough things about overwatch is time and time again as i guess especially in the goats era some might say um it can get repetitive so like what what are you what are you looking for when you're watching matches especially when you know for lack of a better term you have no dog in the fight right like you know who wins who loses that's not necessarily what you're looking for right
0: yeah um i tend to watch for the stories that emerge um, I like to take a big picture narrative approach, whether that's covering a large number of matches for Grab Bag or drilling more into one specific topic. Um, so, like, I love when I can write about, like, a good comeback or a team that's really finding its own identity, especially when it's, like, something unique. Um or something like fun player interactions and dynamics. Um, And I know that hasn't been as possible this year, but it's definitely something uh, I look forward to to whenever I can report live. Um, Like, uh, I guess I'll give you an example. Like one of my favorite storylines this year um, is the emerging rivalry between Philadelphia Fusion and Paris Eternal. Like it's not something that we could have predicted before the start of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But it just happened really or- organically because they've played each other three times already and they've all been like just absolute bangers, right? Like they all went five maps and it just sort of, you can never tell who's going to win till the very end. Um, actually, I think the first two went five maps, the third one might not have. Um, but like there are so many narrative threads that have emerged kind of between these two teams this season like all that we're really missing is like a big playoff type of match to kind of like really cement it as like one of the great rivalries that we have had in Overwatch League. So that's something that I really love paying attention to week over week is just like the matchups and sort of the the storylines that, that happen.
1: So I guess, you know, on, on that note, sort of tying it back to our podcast, I mean, last year must have been... Pretty nice to have the rivalry that existed between the San Francisco Shock and the Vancouver Titans. Yeah. I mean, outside of that one little hiccup in the stage three playoffs, you know, congratulations to the Shanghai Dragons and all that. But I mean, you had two powerhouse teams go at it. I, I obviously, as a Vancouver Titans fan, wish the grand final was a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, going into this season, I would have expectations been that we would have seen those sort of two teams revisited? Um, because and Whereas now, I mean, to the point you had raised, we have the Philadelphia Fusion and the Paris Eternal. Um, and then I know, unfortunately, things get thrown askew um, with the fact that we're now seeing a transition into the pure online world where the, the regional uh, matches can't take place. I mean, how... how Difficult would this season be then, or do you find that there's just still far too many stories to tell and it's about identifying the ones that, you know, are most compelling?
0: Yeah, I'd say I would agree with just sort of letting the storylines develop naturally. Um, mm-hmm. I think going back to last season, yeah, we had the big rivalry that kind of defined all of the regular season, plus, you know, the playoffs up to the grand finals, which was Vancouver and San Francisco kind of duking it out, especially back during GOATs. Um But you also, like you mentioned, you had Shanghai coming up and that was a whole redemption arc that, you know, took place over the course of the season. And they did some really interesting things strategically leading up to that. So that was like another storyline that gets woven in. So it's not just like one or two big things. It's like Mm -hmm. you have 20 teams and every team is on their own journey. Um, And occasionally you'll have uh, just like, you know, two or more teams to sort of collide in, you know, wonderfully to, to produce rivalries and, and big moments and things like that. So um, that's something that I, I feel like I try to lean into, um, both on a week to week basis and in terms of just our overall editorial coverage.
3: So what I'm hearing is is your confirmation that the Overwatch League is indeed an anime.
0: <laughs> uh, I cannot confirm or deny
3: that is the answer we were looking for. Ding ding ding. <laughs> so yeah, like we we were just talking about like some of the best, you know, storylines and I wanted to kind of highlight one of your latest articles. Um, you know, depending on when when we ship this, you might have had probably a couple other articles, but um I've been obsessed about it and listeners will know that I basically went on a 10-minute tangent just talking about this, but you mentioned about the rivalry of Lunatic High and and Runaway. So like I mean, for, before we get into, you know, what you talked about in the article, like, what were your, first of all, what were your thoughts on just the show match in
0: general? Oh, I loved it. Um, I think, you know, yeah. So the show match really did bring me back to sort of my old apex watching days. And I'm sure it did for a lot of other people just like, you know, waking up at a ridiculous time to, to just like watch these guys go at it and seeing their faces um, on camera and kind of seeing their reactions to big plays and, and kind of just watching them react to their own big plays and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really fun event. And I I know it was really popular among viewers. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but, um, it was broadcast in a bunch of different places too. So like, not just on, you know, the overwatch league channel or the, uh, the overwatch or sorry, the blizzard Korea channel. I know like OGN also had it on a different number of different platforms. And I know it was like, Just something that a lot of people tuned into, not just in Korea, but also around the world. So it really, it it brought me back. It was, it was a good, like, nostalgic feeling. Mm
3: -hmm. And, and, and I want to kind of pick your brain on this just because I know your, your editorial background and your, and we've been talking about storylines for a while, like do you think that kind of nostalgia or something was still relatable to to perhaps newer fans that that never were around for apex like do you think it could be it was in the air because i kind of felt like it was in the air a little bit
0: yeah that was part of why um i wrote that piece looking back at some of their old uh, clashes during the apex days including that season two uh grand finals was uh, to kind of introduce newer fans to it if they weren't Um, already familiar with it and also to maybe kind of drum up some of that nostalgia for uh, old Apex fans like myself. Um, So yeah, it was definitely, I think something that appealed to a lot of different people, especially because you also had um, a lot of familiar faces taking part uh, in that match.
3: Mm-hmm. And then maybe a lot less talked about was kind of like the talent, I forgot the official name of it, but like the the talent showcase just beforehand. I th- I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I thought it was pretty neat because yes, it's about, you know, the, the glory days of old, but it's also about like what's new.
0: Yeah, and that was another way. Um, I think uh, I have to... We have to give a lot of credit to sort of uh, the Korean office because this was completely done by them. Um, mm-hmm. They had the idea, they executed it uh, really well, um, and so having this futures match where you get to see some of the up and coming players alongside, um, I think I think they had one player from both Slim from and the Toby, time. yeah, yeah. So they had one one of the the old sort of like legendary players uh, alongside these young kids. And I thought that was a a really cool way. Um, I would even love to see something like that expanded, you know, like maybe have a couple of maybe have like more than two teams, uh, something like that. Um, They also got to test out, I believe, you know, different game formats, which was interesting as well. So they really kind of got creative with it. And I I really like that.
3: Yeah, so kind of moving along just to to you know more of the overwatch league itself like we just went through the may melee i know it sounds like an eternity ago now and we're about to (laughs) get started in the next one but like what what did what were your kind of thoughts on it both both the format and like the level of play
0: um i loved it i think the fans in the community also like really responded to it because uh to me it brought back the energy of the stage playoffs from the previous two seasons where like the stakes were raised and that in turn elevated the competition in a lot of the matches. So um, I guess in my view, as someone who is invested in these like season long narratives, um, having a signpost and being able to say that at this point in the season here are the best teams and the best players. Like that's helpful for me when thinking about these like big picture storylines. Um, like I think, if we're talking about like the specific brackets, like in NA, I think the Florida Mayhem earned a lot of respect for their run to the title match. Um, uh, like no one can say that they didn't like earn that. Like even if they kind of had an easier run in the qualifiers. Um, and then in Asia, um, I think that was a region that maybe was a little harder to get a read on in the first half of the season because of uh team's, kind of shuffling in due to uh, relocation. So I think the main melee was like a chance to get a clearer picture of how everyone in that region stacked up. Um, and, you know, of course they gave us like the Shanghai Dragons and Seoul Dynasty gave us the first reverse sweep in a first to four format ever, I'm pretty sure at the pro level. Uh, yeah, so that, was, like, madness. Yeah, that was like exciting and like historic and like stressful. Like I wasn't even mad about like losing that like hour of sleep that I would have had if they just, <laughs> like, ended in a four or like a four one or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that's like the kind of stuff that you live for. So
1: the uh, question I have here just sort of because of the, the regional format, um, you have, uh, Asia bracket you have a North America bracket and there's constantly sort of within the you know the community the argument of you know which team ranks up against which team because we don't see them sort of play Mm -hmm. has there ever been any thought to you know almost do that from a, a, a an editorial perspective uh you know where there's almost like an opinion piece here like here's why I mean whether it be um based on record, based on strength of schedule, based on performance or or is it more of now we're sort of seeing two distinct regions for um, from a competitive perspective but also the editorial perspective?
0: I think for me we do have to kind of keep the regions separate because mm-hmm. you know those are the matches that are really getting played and we kind of have to focus on like what's actually happening from week to week. Um, I would love to, you know, take some time and like try to speculate things like that. Like, you know, fun, what ifs. Um, but I think like right now it's, it's just like a matter of time, I think. Yeah. Um, Because I would want to consider stuff like statistics, you know, I'd want to, Consider strength of schedule, and I think that you know there's probably like I would want to do it thoroughly. That's just me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to just like throw a like you know throw some opinions out there, hot takes, and just call it a day. That means no power rankings for you, Chris. Sorry, I'm not the right person for power rankings. That's reinforced. That's a problem. Yeah,
1: no, and I I totally understand. And I guess sort of the the correlation I was going to draw, and it's maybe not as strong of a correlation in the modern era of baseball but you had the American league and the national league. And there was always the argument as to which, which league was better. And there were two pinnacle events where that would take place, the all-star game and the world series. Mm -hmm. Now with interleague play, it changes a little bit, but you can almost look at where the overwatch league is today. And it's kind of like the way the major league baseball structure was of old. And you'd often see that like, you know, are the Phillies better than the Yankees or whomever? so
3: so in your analogy is the designated hitter hitter torb
1: <laughs> it, it has might, to be torb
0: i think it might be sombra actually given what we know regions mm. like play styles and preferences asia loves sombra which means which means this current hero pool this upcoming hero pool has directly nerfed like half the teams in asia yeah
1: well, my worry is it's also nerfed the Vancouver Titans going into the Battle of Canada Part Two. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's actually just sort of a segue to the, the question here. Now that you know we have Vancouver and Toronto playing each other more often, um, do you find that it makes for telling a story um, when you have those regional rivals? I mean, you get two LAs. Um, we had, you know, I guess in the past, you know, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, to some respects. Battle of Texas. Mm, Houston, Dallas,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. or is it
1: just more you'd prefer it to to develop organically, like Vancouver, San Francisco?
0: Yeah, for me, it's always going to be, uh, it's always going to come down to kind of what unfolds on stage and in the game. Um, I think regional rivalries works for traditional sports because mm-hmm. um, because the fan bases are generally going to be drawn from. Those areas and and that kind of fuels the passion on that end, um, and I think in the Overwatch League it's harder to kind of force rivalries where they don't exist. Sure. Um, so, like going back to like Runaway and Lunatic High, like their rivalries were, you know, those weren't really regional based or city based. It was just a matter of having two strong teams that kind of you know went head to head over. Mm-hmm a period of time and and that's i think how it always happens in esports um i think it, we're lucky if it happens regionally i think the battle of texas um is a good example uh, battle of la also like those two teams have produced a lot of like really good matches um so that definitely helps but it's not something that i feel like we have to like push
1: mhm no, that makes sense. And I think, you know, one of the differences is that point that you raised is that in the traditional side, like I'm a biased Vancouver sports fan. <laughs> Doesn't matter what league it happens to have a team in, I'm going to support it. But then I'm tied to the region, whereas I know there are a lot within our community, a lot of our listeners who are Vancouver Titans fans for reasons beyond the region, whether it be the player, the uh, the team, the colors, the you know, for all these different factors around the world. So again, I, I, I do, do understand what you're saying there.
0: Yeah. I would be interested in seeing if, you know, there's more regional based rivalries um, in China though, because of the four teams there and they are very tied to their cities. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how it happens how it unfolds, like as the league develops and as, you know, as the regions really do get kind of set up in yeah. their local cities.
1: Cool. Well, as we look to to wrap this episode up, every time we have a guest, we ask a few um, questions just to get you to know a little better. And uh, the first one on the list is uh, favorite video game of all time.
0: Uh, I have a very short list to choose from, so I'm going to say Overwatch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow!
0: Um, I did play a lot of GoldenEye on N64. Oh,
1: that, that's a classic GoldenEye. If you've, you you're you're speaking to me here, yeah. yeah you're connecting with my soul.
0: Yeah, the N64 um saw a lot of usage in my youth. So mm-hmm. uh I didn't have one personally, but you know, the the people that I hung out with did. So we played a lot of GoldenEye and I think uh, Smash Brothers. So those were the two kind of video games that were more formative to me before Overwatch came along. But I would say just for It's sheer impact on like my life and my career. I don't think I can say anything other than
1: Overwatch. Sure. Um, So you're playing Overwatch and you have to pick a hero. Which hero is that going to be?
0: Are we talking like a real life practical setting or are we talking about like.
1: In game. In game, your go-to hero. Like I'm a Reinhardt one trick. I I can, I'll play whatever other hero I'm supposed to
0: play. I, I have a main, but I also have a favorite hero who's like not really my main
1: so that's okay then who, who, okay. why don't you share who they are
0: uh so I am a filthy Moira one trick um, whenever, whenever I have to play rent which is embarrassingly seldom um and then uh but my favorite uh, hero to play is actually Anna mm, makes sense so, yeah thank yeah. you Yu Jay Hong
3: <laughs> yes we couldn't last the whole episode without saying something like that
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh when we're playing together, uh Sam here is my J Hong to my yes. bumper style Reinhardt. I make
3: sure to nano him after he gets the crags. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he's not he's maybe not as good as Jay Hong, but I got the nano. You did, and you got involved in the play of the game as a result. <laughs> yes. Well done, Sam well thank you again for for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us uh, emerald but um anything that you wish to to leave with our our listeners any final thoughts
0: i guess i just want to thank everyone who's been a fan of the overwatch league and who continues to tune in week after week i think like your support really does kind of keep this league going and you know love to see it on twitter love to see it on other social media so
1: yeah um thanks awesome well thank you for joining us if you were wanting to see more of uh emerald's articles you can find them on overwatchleague.com you can also follow her at twitter.com slash emgtfy and that's because she can look it up for you uh we're going to take a short break before we dive into the fray Back into the fray Before we kick things off here with the fray um, What a wonderful interview uh, Emerald was. Um, I really enjoyed uh, hearing her perspective as to the different stories that uh, uh, she and the rest of the team over to Owl look to tell. Um, their view at, at, and how they approach sort of the the competitive scene. And despite you know her you know cutting teeth in Chicago for the Blackhawks, which pains me being a Vancouver Canucks fan. Um, I would be more than happy to to have her back. Silence. I'm going to assume you guys agree with me.
3: I'm nodding, but the podcasters can't see that.
1: No.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm just busy resubbing. Thought I, uh, you know, did you unsub with a bang. <laughs> I didn't unsub, because of Twitch Prime, you got to manually
1: uh,
3: <laughs> really? resub. I, I thought your next sentence was going to be like, I never subbed in the first place. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No,
1: no, Omni did. So Om, Omni had dropped a Twitch Prime sub on, uh, on uh, the RSP stream. I'm now right. subscribed. But Sam My
2: hard-earned Twitch Prime uh subscription.
1: You do you not have Twitch Prime, Sam? I saved it you... for Soul it's mm, okay. <laughs> Fine, be that way. Uh let's talk a little bit about the week that was here in the fray. So kicking things off last week, uh, we had the uh London Spitfire take on the Shanghai Dragons and lose badly. It was 3-0 dragons. The uh, New York Excelsior then 3 0 the Seoul Dynasty, which was kind of surreal. I mean, New York's good, but I would have expected a better fight at the Dynasty. Uh, Paris Eternal and the uh, Boston Uprising, of all teams, came uh, to a 3-2 final for the Eternal. Uh, Florida Mam 3-1 the Dallas Fuel, and the Atlanta Reign lost a 1-3 to the LA Gladiators. Philadelphia Fusion kicked off Sunday by beating the Outlaws 3-0. The Vancouver Titans, as we already know, lost to the Toronto Defiant 3-0. And the LA Valiant made quick work of the Washington Justice 3-0. So Sunday's matches went like speed. Mm -hmm. The matches that we had suggested everyone watch, so uh, both Omni and I had said watch the Excelsior Dynasty match, and I apologize um, for one point that being at a 3-0 score but i'm not going to apologize for what we saw from hacksaw yeah um
3: he's pretty good at overwatch
1: i i've i've heard rumors i mean i i you know can't he's imagine a good be at Valorant it. Too, <laughs> before he
3: deleted the game
1: yeah uh the other match that uh, omni and i said to watch was the valiant justice match and yeah sorry you got tokens if you logged in correctly on the owl website. True. I uh my browser was enjoying that game while I was away. <laughs> oh, you know, the difficult thing with the hero pools as they are is it and I, I, I think I'm now getting more accustomed to it as a podcaster. It's it's problematic um when we're trying to make predictions, but we really don't understand how that hero pool will impact a particular team outside of the Vancouver Titans. Uh, the good thing is that the hero pools themselves aren't changing because in the new world, there's two weeks of a hero pool and the same heroes are banned. So Diva, Echo, Sombra, and Brig are out of the picture. Before we talk about this week, though, is there anything else about last week we wanted to reminisce?
2: Um, I really just wanted to comment that what you said about soul uh, expecting uh, them to put up a fight. That's kind of like a common issue for them right now. So I wasn't Salt expecting in the wound, the, yeah. should... uh,
3: but Soul's <laughs> always there when it counts for some yeah. odd reason that we can't predict.
1: Uh, uh, sparkle made his debut. That was the other. Oh, that's right. Right. That's and sparkle right. looked good. So I, I, I shouldn't forget about sparkle. He, he he made his debut, but going Have into you this,
2: I uh, watched uh, one of his streams or like how he behaves on stream. No. <laughs> so, you remember how XQC shouts and yes. and rages? Mm-hmm. Amplify that, but like a 10.
1: Oh, sweet. <laughs> go, Is he going to like, flip his YouTube. monitor and stuff? Like Oh, my
2: God. No, he just shouts a lot. Oh, okay. Really, really loud. Hmm. He's on Hopefully my his neighbors league. don't complain. I think. He, yeah, isn't Oh, man.
1: We still have that fantasy league with RSP. I forgot about <laughs> it. I might have dropped it. him. The, the difficulty with the fantasy league was obviously the, the Vancouver Titans stopped playing and then. Teams just stopped playing for a while, so then I <laughs> forgot about it. So sorry. Next year. Uh Next year. Kick, Kicking things off this weekend, however, on Saturday at uh, 1 a.m. Pacific, uh, Seoul Dynasty are taking on the Guangzhou Charge. At 3 a.m., it's the London Spitfire taking in the Chengdu Hunters. 5 a.m., it's the Hangzhou Spark and the New York Excelsior. We got to then go to noon, where the San Francisco Shock take on the Paris Eternal. At 2 p.m., it's the Atlanta Rain versus the Toronto Defiant. 4 p.m., it's the LA Gladiators. versus the Houston Outlaws. And at 6 p.m., The end of the day is the Dallas Fuel and our Vancouver Titans. On Sunday at 1 a.m. Pacific, it's the Guangzhou Chargers of the Hangzhou Spark. At 3 a.m., it's the Chengdu Hunters and the Shanghai Dragons. And at 5 a.m., it's the New York Excelsior and the London Spitfire. At noon, Boston Uprising take on the Philadelphia Fusion. 2 p.m., it's the Valiant versus the Florida Mayhem. And at 4 p.m., it is where the Washington Justice lose to the San Francisco Shock. (laughs) Oh, my God. So... Going through the uh, the matches that we recommend uh, that you watch, this before we click the record button here, we struggled figuring out, like, okay, is there two? Now, looking so, at this, uh, Omni, I originally saw that you had picked one. You had picked the uh, the, the Shock Eternal match, which I, I want to ask why. I'm not doubting the pick. It's just I'm not sure what you see that I didn't. Um, I went and picked the... Uh, um, no matches on Saturday. Uh, and I only picked the uh, Hangzhou Spark and Guangzhou Charge on Sunday. Uh, Sam, you went and picked the. T- did you actually pick the Rain Defiant match? You did too. I sure did. Okay, we're going to learn more about that. And Omni, you did pick the Florida Mayhem uh, LA Valiant how match. The turntables have. So, yeah,
2: like for San Francisco versus Paris, I just want to see Sparkle again and see mm-hmm. how we matches okay. San Francisco Shocks. Uh, amazing DPS lineup uh to see my boy Sinatra pop off as well of course <laughs> but no <laughs> um yeah I think that's the only match that's kind of enticing um I really pushed myself hard to pick a game on Sunday it's my birthday
3: too side. So I don't oh. know gonna... happy yeah. birthday on me thank you happy birthday hope you get an upset mm-hmm.
2: on yeah well it's the day before birthday so Mm. My birthday is on the twenty first. We don't play on the twenty first. Well, mm.
3: Hope you're enjoying some Pizza Hut on Sunday then.
1: Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Vancouver Titans will win. You'll party all Saturday night into your birthday Sunday. How about that?
3: And miss <laughs> the matches. Oh, that, that <laughs>
1: would, uh, that's a good wish. Yeah. The uh, Saturday match that you picked there, Sam. So are, there, you, are you a Toronto Defiant fan now? Is there is there something not, something coming not out? Are we all. breaking news?
3: Not at all. Um. Well, there's a couple of things. I think to find fans have gotten a little bit more confident that since they beat us twice, they're now a good or whatever team. So, so I want to kind of see that more for myself if they're actually good. From from my eyes, I don't think so. I think it was a battle of bad teams. But you mm-hmm. know, things can change. Um, but I think I think there's something else there. Is is and this goes back into RSP lores, when we uh, when we interviewed Adam, the, the owner of the Defiant, one of the things that he talked about was that they always lose to Atlanta in scrims and they hate losing to Atlanta. So like, I kind of want to see, you know, you know, guns to the wall or butts to the wall. I don't know what the saying is. I'm just a podcaster. Butts um, to the chairs. Butts to the chairs. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to show up or are they going to get smacked around just like in scrims? Because apparently, to to Adam, the Defiant only really have two two uh, rivals. One is the Atlanta Rain, and the other is the Golden Gophers of Lore. Um, and you're gonna have to dig deep into the lore for for that for that reference. But like, I think that's interesting. But surprisingly, I also really don't like the Atlanta Rain. I yeah. find that they talk way too much for a team that has never won anything. Hmm. So. Yeah. Plus so, the record, this year. so either way, I feel like I'm going to come away going getting satisfied because if if Toronto wins, that means Atlanta lost. But if Atlanta wins, then I just get to continue making fun of the Defiant. So,
2: well, there you go.
3: So in in my world of of bitterness, that is the match to watch.
1: <laughs> so okay, I I was going to pick the Toronto Defiant match, but not for any of those reasons. I was going to pick it because again, soft spot for Toronto, mm-hmm. and it's. But I've been told there is this light force curse. And so I presumed I was doing the Toronto Defiant a solid by not picking them as a match to watch this weekend. Mm. So maybe, maybe I'm actually a bigger Toronto Defiant fan than we are willing to admit on this podcast because I'm now going out of my way to break the curse for them.
3: But I think of the three of us, you'd actually watch the match.
1: Yeah, I would. I totally would uh on sunday i the reason i picked the the spark and and charge match is it just felt to me to be a more even fight when i was looking at sort of the day i was like eh, i don't see a compelling match maybe london new york but i think new york's the stronger team dragons are going to have their way with the hunters i can't imagine the hunters are going to slow the dragons down uh fusion are going to roll the uprising I guess Mayhem Valiant should be close, but Mayhem have looked better, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then Shock and, and Justice. Obviously, I already let my feelings be known. So Omni, you're right. You picked the 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 Mayhem Valiant match. Is it just the belief that this is a lot closer than maybe the the records would allow? I think so. Yeah, but like the Mayhem have been looking real good. Like they they seem yeah. to have turned a corner. And I not to suggest the Valiant haven't been looking good too, but I think the the Mayhem of the better team. I think they weren't, I don't know,
2: they weren't playing, like, uh, tough opponents yet. I mean, they did beat the Dallas Fuel, but Dallas... uh, (laughs) They can't close. They're just Dallas. Yeah. Forever were, and and forever will be, the Dallas Fuel.
1: What can you do when you're the Fuel? Yeah, how do you solve a problem like Dallas Fuel?
3: Hold Hmm. on, I think that the Uprising will beat Fusion. There's my upset of the week.
1: Okay, are you? What are Ooh. you on? Like, what did you have for dinner?
3: I'm. I haven't eaten it yet.
1: Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're <laughs> delirious because your your blood sugar's low or something like that. Right now, kind of being
2: competitive lately.
1: Uh, yeah, and they're gonna be diffusion. No. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I, I'm I'm calling it. That.
3: So so I, I mean. That. You guys should get your kicks in now because if I'm right, it's coming back hard.
2: Listen, they played, they lost 3-2 to Paris and they lost 3-2 to the Valiants. Uh, they're going to take a map, I think. Not
1: not win. No. <laughs> take, no, no. Take, take a map is not win. You're right. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my upset of the week. Thank I mean, you if for they coming had, to my TED Talk. Yeah, if they had like Light Force on on, on, on jump.
2: Junk, Junk is in Junk. meta, though. Oh, well, Life Force would make Life Force is in
1: meta. I'll play for the league minimum, sign me up. Um, all I want is a jersey that fits. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, it'll be an interesting week. Uh, you know, The other thing I will point out um, is that there will not be a post-match review this week. I contemplated doing a late one after the Vancouver Titans match. Uh, and I had actually cleared it with the wife unlike last weekend where I hadn't and may have gotten myself into a little, little trouble. Uh, but, uh, there won't be, it's something I do want to start up again, just to, you know, get us together, chat about what we saw and, uh, you know, have a, a lighter take, uh, to the, the world of overwatch as opposed to the podcast where we're all serious business. Um, as far as what's else going on in the league, not a whole lot. Uh, the gladiators signed Kevster today, which, uh, is from what I can gather and I don't follow tier two, so I can't speak to it. A pretty big signing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Omni or, or Sam, do either of you know much about, uh, Kevster?
2: I just know from saying that like, he's probably one of the best, uh, remaining DPS to never, really get a shot at the overwatch league but the thing is like he fits that mold of, of dalton and then i don't know the, is a hit scan specialist he's mm-hmm. not known to be too flex but he's uh he's a very good pickup so I you can all the
3: flex dps's <laughs> yeah
2: not flexible anymore but he can definitely like have a good uh, uh um you know competition against the best of them he can like play he won't back down like even like from carpe or fleta he can pop off definitely he's definitely not your average tier two uh, dps
1: does he instantly make the gladiators a better team yeah i mean they have Birdring who's been playing
2: pretty well but i guess now with with hero locks uh, with hero pulls i mean you can have like a tracer ash sort of combo or like two hit scans maybe the hanzo buff will bring him back into the meta where is not really uh you know mm-hmm. it's not really anything, but you can definitely see uh more opportunities for two players so kind of like what we have on the titans where you see dalton and and, and uh shockwave play so yeah
1: i think Okay. Other news. Uh, the Sinatra MVP skin came out today. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than being uh, an octopus style alien that wears a suit and uh, army boots. Like, I, I mean, based on the, the noises you're making here, I'm going to gather you think it's a top notch skin that you're, you know, you just you like l- logged in yeah. and bought immediately.
2: Thinking that's kind of the <laughs> their way to get back at him for quitting and going off to Valorant. <laughs> it's not great. I don't like it. It's uh, they had a good idea going in, but somehow the the different components don't mesh well together.
1: Well, so uh, there was a conversation in an RSP Discord that that took place, and it was like, oh, it's it's Men in Black. It's 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 out of this world alien zarya I watched. I watched the video. I don't know if you watched like the the release video where they were describing it. The the suit is an ode to Frank Sinatra. Like, mm. and that again. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I mean, maybe Men in Black too. But it, like, I think they almost overthought the skin. <laughs> like, let's look at the Jonak one. The Jonak one made a lot of sense. It, I, I will admit, it's like I I ranked the the Winston Spitfire skin as my favorite so far but i'm not gonna i'm not buying it this isn't a this isn't the must-have skin in my mind like the alien Zarya is just yeah do we know if it's 200 tokens again like the job uh, no I, I, I didn't look i didn't log when i logged in it's not like it's like oh how much is this i'm not going to buy it yeah oh, 200 uh, according like, to uh, uh, d baker in chat so yeah
3: Hopefully.
1: like aloran pricing yeah no kidding
3: I don't know. I think of the three of us. I probably like the note most. I dig the the Sinatra, the Frank Sinatra thing. I like that they tried to merge two concepts. I'm I'm kind of over the whole alien thing. Maybe because we kind. I mean, Jonek was octopus, but like you know, it's it's same vibes to me. Um. So so that part I wasn't like a huge fan of. But you know, apparently there's this whole. Sinatra alien branding thing that that you know I, I don't I don't care I don't follow Sinatra so what yeah. you know I'll, I'll take your word for it right um, yeah but but like I don't think I don't think like many people were gonna buy it outside of diehard yeah diehard Sinatra fans anyway so it's, it's it's not a big deal
2: it's weird because uh, like it's it's uh, it's kind of a thing that they always on stream like there's a meme that he like kind of looks like an alien he comes from from a planet which is something that I referred to once in a Facebook group like a long time ago and I got banned out of it for like, oh, you can't call <laughs> the per- person like that. Well, I guess you can now that it's an official uh, uh, skin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe oh, you in. designed the skin and now you're just trying oh, to take man. public opinion. Oh, no, no. No, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I think if you guys watch the reveal video, like Sinatra's reveal face in my mind, if I'm reading his face like as as like a literal thing, it says, "Wow, a cool skin I'm never ever gonna use because I'm not playing this again."
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, one note about the reveal video, uh, Sinatra, clean your room,
3: <laughs> dude. He's he's playing for a game that has no competitive scene. He barely he's paycheck to paycheck, man.
1: <laughs> I, I I I I again. I, I even told my wife this, like, oh, my God, this kid needs to clean his room. She's like, you're not his dad. I'm like, I should yeah. be. Um, what you don't know is that this is his room after cleaning. Oh,
2: well.
1: Learn how to clean it better. Um, what else has been going on in the game? Uh, so the skin came out with a patch that was released today. That patch also included um, a new feature, the priority requeue for collapsed games. So essentially when you're playing competitive and you get a lever, if you had waited so long for that to take place, you're now sort of elevated in the next queue you were to join to try to get into game sooner than someone who simply, like me, decided they wanted to go and, and dive into competitive for some silly reason. Uh, the competitive open queue season two has finally begun. That's an arcade, but there were some adjustments to heroes. So Echo has had a slight nerve. Her beam of death is now less range. It went down from like twenty to sixteen meters. Uh, I played her and Mr. Heroes before we click record here, and it's a noticeable difference. Like, I don't feel I'm as confident trying to use it, unless I know I'm going to use it, because I can't get away. I'm I'm in too close. Uh, Genji saw a buff. So, Genji's uh, primary damage has increased from 28 to 30. His secondary fire spread has dropped from 12 to 9, and the deflect has actually been increased from 1.5 to 2 seconds, and... You can cancel it if you want to get out of dodge because you mistakenly baited someone and they baited you instead. Crazy buff for Genji. I find Genji and the right hands is already a problem. And now those people have yeah. been like juiced up.
2: Yeah. How quick is this going uh, live in Overwatch League? Is it for this upcoming? Probably not. I guess next weekend.
1: Well, okay, I don't, I don't know how they're approaching patches this yeah. season. Like, last year, the patch would roll out after a stage, but I... It's quicker, but I'm not sure how yeah. quick. Um, Hanzo, so I, I mistakenly uh, thought this was a nerf. It's actually a buff, as you pointed out, Ani. Uh, his damage has increased for Storm from 60 to 70. Um, and again, I find it's not Scatter, but Storm in the right hands... Scatter. ...melts. Oh, Scatter, man. I was an epic Hanzo with Scatter. You just, you should have seen all the kills I got. I aim at your feet. You're dead. I didn't need to click a small. Omni just box. made a Valorant reference. Yeah, <laughs> lost on me. Don't play the damn game.
3: I can't Maybe. believe he did
1: that. He, he's, um, he's walking away. Yeah, Arissa. Uh, neither a buff nor a nerf, but her halt has increased sound <laughs> effects volume. Arissa is now louder.
3: We notice Arissa now. <laughs> yeah, she's so small. I, heart, like I
1: actually, I read that a few times. and like, like I didn't know, like, like what is that? That's that. <laughs> is that a bug fix? Like, could you not hear her before? Like, I it just run like, around a map, going golden. It was golden. important. Do you need that a. Hug?
3: The omnic's voices are heard. Okay, so yeah, okay, now they on. are heard.
1: Yeah, the omnic's in our stream are mean. And yeah, there are lots of other bug fixes, arcade adjustments, uh, workshop stuff, all sorts of things. You can read the patch notes if you're interested, but that was the, uh, the high level nitty gritty. But here we are running up to the end of another pretty epic episode. We started off talking about the Titans. We talked a little bit about the RSP pugs where we had weeds. the assistant coach for the Titans, Join us for some good times. It was actually, you know, to, I think it was Debeck that said in, in our, our license chat, tra- a real nice gesture to see someone from the team get involved. Because, I mean, that's something we have been we have been begging for. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I've been begging. And finally, the begging paid off. Uh, so thank you, Weeks, for joining us. Uh, we talked a little bit about the week that was. And in between both of those segments is the interview with Emerald yeah, which I really enjoyed, again, talking to her, despite her you know, start with the Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago Cubs. But uh, I think we need to to look at trying to get more guests on. We have a variety of different voices we're we're trying to to get involved. If there's someone that you want for us to try to reach out to and make that connection, you know, please let us know in RSP Discord. You can get into our Discord if you're not already there. It's discord.io slash ready uh, you can tweet us at ready Set as well, or you know, drop us a text message at the phone number I didn't write down because Sam makes fun of me every week I share it. <laughs> What? I put my you heart gotta give me
3: stuff to make fun of. Like otherwise I'm just eating here. Mm. Mm. <laughs>
1: like, like if
3: if you if you lose the jokes, I already don't have the overwatch ability to play, then I'm literally just eating on this podcast. That's my only role left.
1: That's the value you bring. Yeah. You know, eating and ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> uh but uh what final words of wisdom do you guys have for all of our listeners? At the time of recording, it is Fresh Veggies Day,
2: so eat your veggies, boys and girls. Veggies are gross.
1: <laughs> They're good for you. I, I, look, I didn't know it was Fresh Veggies Day, and I didn't realize that every other day is where <laughs> veggies are not fresh, because that has me asking some seriously <laughs> tough questions moving forward. <laughs> well, um, fresh veggies get the rest of the year. Today,
2: though, it's the special one occasion for fresh veggies.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, Sam? I don't know how you can beat that. Uh, Easily, because veggies are gross.
3: Mm. And I'm literally just picking apart the cucumbers in my bowl right now so I can secretly feed it to my dog later. Um, I thought you were eating, like, cereal or something. (laughs) Yeah, cereal with cucumbers.
1: Okay, here. Serious question, because we're really off the rails right now. Do you eat your cereal with water or milk? Water? What? What? (laughs) Exactly right. That was my reaction. It's milk, but... I, this this question got got asked on twitter and there's a significant number of people who say it's they drink, they, they the eat their cereal with water. No, man.
3: <laughs> like like the choice between water and nothing, I would choose nothing. Yeah. Cuz I've I've eaten my fair share of dry cereal, especially like in those little like kids containers like yeah, yeah. that's a snack basically, right? And and kids cereal is basically candy anyway, but um, I've heard this water thing too. I can't. I can't remember who does it. I think it's a celebrity or an athlete or something. But, um, yeah, no, not it's, not for it's, me.
1: It's not even something that I'm willing to try. Not I won't all. even
3: eat cereal if it has milk first.
1: Like milk and then cereal. Yeah, that's akin to putting the toilet paper on wrong.
3: Yeah, like yeah. I. I mean, I guess that makes me picky, but you know.
1: No, no, it's cereal than milk. That's the there it is. It is actually I think, a law. Like you could probably get put into jail if you do it the other way around.
3: Yeah, and I think D Baker is saying there's some people who add water to the milk to make it last longer. But last you know longer? what happens to the milk? Does it <laughs> I, milk? I don't know. But for those people, let me introduce you to skim milk.
1: <laughs> That's what uh, we have in our house. Uh, baby Force she gets homogenized. The wife and I skim. So. Mm. Bounce both worlds 2% if anyone wants it. Uh, This episode has completely gone sideways, pear-shaped, off the rails, and that's why you continue to tune in to each and every episode each and every week, which I hope you do. If you enjoyed what you were listening to, click that subscribe button. If you like these Twitch streams, drop us a follow so that we can let you know that we have gone live. Uh, If you have it in you, to support the the podcast where you can. Again, we are now affiliated on Twitch. So you can drop those Twitch Prime subs, those regular Twitch subs. You can drop bits. Like, you can actually drop one bit. I did not, like, some streamers set, like, the limit, like, oh, 500 minimum. Eh, give me your pennies. It's not like you have any use for them in Canada anyway. So, again, uh, bits are available. And as far as supporting the podcast, beyond that, uh, we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash set home. But on behalf of Sam at another Sam Chan, Omni at Omnistrife, myself, Chris at Lightforce, I'm going to sign off this episode with those magical two words, catchphrase.